0: Welcome to episode 85 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. It's the final episode of season two! On today's episode, Casey talks about some of his pet peeves regarding herpetological husbandry, and I talk about a special group of polar bears in Greenland. We learn about two very interesting picks for this week, and about our final animal of the week for the season. Let's do this! Episode 85 of the Animal Addicts Podcast starts right now. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Animal Addicts Podcast, our final episode for season two. Woo! As always, we're your host Sally. And Casey. And today we're gonna talk about a whole new awesome assortment of really cool animals. But before we get into that, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you?
1: I went to Del Mar Fair.
0: Did you spend money you weren't supposed to spend? No. Good job. Did you ride death trap rides and eat horrible food?
1: I eat horrible, horrible food.
0: Horrible for you food. Yes,
1: okay. I didn't write, I didn't ride the death traps. Okay. Thing great. is. I would def- if I had the money to spend, I would definitely ride the death traps. Okay, great. And if I had people I would go onto the death traps with me.
0: Oh, you don't want to do it alone? No. Okay. Okay.
1: I'm gonna die amongst friends. Then. <laughs> We're at this together.
0: Not just strangers. <laughs> okay. Nope. <laughs> okay, great. Great, great. Yep. So how was the fair? Did you see well, the so animals?
1: I, f- I did. There's not like either. There's barns we don't know about or there's just <laughs> not many anymore. I just
0: envisioned secret barns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, because like there was one with like cows and uh, the goats. Mm-hmm. But like we couldn't find piggies. Okay. Or the rabbits. Oh, or no. chickens. There was ponies, but there was not there was not the pig races. Really? Yes. That's
0: like a staple. It has I know. to be the pig races or the um doxy races. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't remember seeing the doxy races i think so hmm. but yeah we thought we saw what was uh from a distance the pig races but then we got up and it's like no there's just people some this a cow there that for show <laughs> she was cute though
0: oh cute cow. pretty
1: cow but yeah my cousin um her his um wife um so his stepfather not stepfather okay father-in-law okay there we go had cows um so they were there um not my cousin but his wife uh and now there's a when we went there was a barrier separating the people from like the cows um and she was telling me that those were not there yesterday
0: <laughs> oh dear yeah
1: so i don't know why
0: someone was petting some cows
1: but she took us behind and got to see some of the cows up close oh yeah yeah they have um line he has linebacks is like his favorite breed they're cool looking. Okay, a, I don't know what they look like. They like have a like. Back? No, it's just a white stripe on oh, their back. okay. But yeah, they're cute cows. Okay. One of one of the females was very big.
0: Oh, big like heavy or big like pregnant.
1: Big heavy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're when I looked them up, it seems like they're like a mix of a meat and dairy cattle.
0: Oh, weird. Yeah. Okay.
1: And like on her, I could see like her udders, so I was like, yeah, I can see. Okay. yeah and there were goats and it's like i forgot to send the picture to my friends because we had this thing it was like okay morgan here's what we're going to do text your mom clear out the garage we're bringing some baby goats (laughs) yep (laughs) i forgot to say that because they were so cute but i didn't see like the little pygmy ones and the
0: little ones Nope. We also wouldn't do well in a garage. It'd be really hot in a garage. I know, but... There's no, like, ventilation in a garage.
1: We'll figure it out.
0: Oh, my God. We'll put AC
1: units in there.
0: And also some windows so they can get some fresh air. Yeah,
1: we'll bulldoze... We'll take a bulldozer and knock out of... You could just build a goat
0: <laughs> enclosure at this point. It's a lot of renovation. I
1: think... Uh, I don't think the HOA would be okay
0: with that. <laughs> oh, God, an HOA? I don't think they'd be happy with the other stuff, either.
1: <laughs> she hates overshelves. The thing is she doesn't live there very much cuz um she works up north and so she's only home oh, for like Oh, this is the one who's up north, yeah.
0: Like over half of her time.
1: Yeah, so she's only back for like two, two days does every that two weeks. Yeah. I don't know how she does that. It's but. better now cuz she works in Santa Rosa which still she still That's has still a crazy really far, commute. Yeah. But the people are much better, she says. Oh my god. Yeah. But um yeah, and she said if they really drive her nuts, she's her plan is to order a joshua tree get their approval because when you order those trees it's just a scientific name nobody's going to know that name is, is a joshua tree and cuz they're protected and you of can't course remove it, them. yes
0: <laughs> yep that's what we wanted to do for the senior prank mm-hmm. at my high school we wanted to go plant a bunch of california poppies on the football field like you're not supposed to remove those so yeah. have fun you're not allowed to play football yeah you have to get
1: now. a permit in order to remove them <laughs> yeah but there was like if I had m- money, I really there was like this mineral section with like a bunch of cool fossils and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's not like something that blew me away in order to get it, so okay. I didn't buy anything. Um, but yeah, we did buy some nuts. There's always a stand that has like the butter toffee nuts and stuff like that. So we got butter toffee peanuts and I think almonds. I love almonds, but the rest of my family doesn't really like them. Okay. And yogurt-coated pretzels and some spicy mix for my brother because he wasn't there, so we got something for him. And then I had Orange Julius. Okay. And I ate at Charlie's Chicken. Or is it Chicken Charlie's? (laughs) I honestly can't remember now. I feel
0: like it would make more sense for it to be Chicken Charlie's.
1: Yeah, it's Chicken Charlie's. Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> okay. And
1: I recognize it now because last time I went to the fair with my friends, we got bacon wrap fried pickles. And that's where we got them from. Oh Cuz I saw god. the sign. For, Dude. They're good.
0: Oh my god. No, no. They're
1: good, man. I I was skeptical at first, then I had them. It's like it's so good.
0: <laughs> oh my god. This is why Americans
1: die. <laughs> I don't care. It's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> But um, for dinner, I got um, their chicken legs and fries. And, of course, oh, the, my sisters, they got this fair special, which is like onion rings, chicken strips, and these twisty fried zucchinis, which are more fried than zucchini. <laughs> Great. It was a lot of beer batter. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't that hot. So I assumed when I got my plate of food, I'd just be able to eat it right away. Nope. My fries and my chickens were very hot. And I burnt my mouth. And it still hurts. <laughs> problem. <laughs> yeah, but, oh my gosh. I was impressed by their seasoning. It's it's good seasoning on their chicken. Great. I recommend Charlie's Chicken.
0: Chicken Charlie's. Chicken. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. Something. We don't know what his name <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. One or the other. Chicken
1: Charlies, you said?
0: I think Chicken Charlies sounds like it would be... I think sense. it's... If I was making... If I was promoting something, like, promotionally, I would choose to go Chicken Charlies versus Charlie's Chickens.
1: Yeah, it's Chicken Charlies.
0: Like it just makes more sense. <laughs> they both shouldn't
1: start with Chick, though. So. Yeah. But, yeah, that was good. Um, and then I got an eclair in the evening. An <laughs> <laughs> good...
0: eclair in the evening. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And it was, like, debating because... My mom and dad, they got, like, a cinnamon roll, and then, they, of course, they got coffee and didn't tell us until we ran back into them, so I drank some of theirs, <laughs> <laughs> and I was debating cream puff or eclair, cream puff or eclair. Well, that's right.
0: You yeah. were debating on cream puff, and you yeah. went to eclair. Yes. But you switched it up.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, it's mainly because both my sisters got eclair, so it's like, oh, I'm following the crowd. Conformity? Okay, wow. <laughs> I don't know why, but, yeah, but it was fun. mm
0: mm-hmm. All right. Well, that sounds like a good time. Mm-hmm. I'm happy you didn't die um, or buy a bunch of things you didn't need. Mm-hmm. Good times. Oh,
1: and um, there was this. I normally don't go into the art stuff because I don't care, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we did. And then we went upstairs and that's like the photo gallery. And apparently there's like a people's choice for the thing where you get to pick whichever one you voted for. My sister picked one that I pointed out just because I thought it was funny. because It was titled Snail Date, and it's two garden snails looking at each other. <laughs> My sister voted for that one, and then I kind of made her feel regret because then I pointed out this other one called Bambino, and it's this little baby macaque. Oh That I did not vote for. I voted for this one called Nudie Portraits, and it's like the zoomed-in front profile of a nudibranch.
0: What is the new to brink again? It's a sea slug. Right. Okay, okay.
1: They're very pretty, and you can see the little eye spots. Okay. I think it's cute. There you go. Yep.
0: Good times. So you had fun at the fair. Yes, I did. At the Del Mar Fair. <laughs> <laughs> because We will not say the other name. Like yes. I will not say the other name of the animal park. I do though. <laughs> um, well I had intended to go to the animal park. Um, but I felt like crap. Got sinus mm. stuff. Did take a home test. Not COVID as far as those tests. They're pretty useless, but I don't have to. They're any...
1: not. It's just a lot of people don't use them, right?
0: No. If they're if, it's, if it says you're positive, I'm going to believe it. But a lot of people, they will, it won't show up until you're like multiple, multiple days in and it'll finally show up. Yeah, because up it's an
1: antigen view. test, so. Yeah, but it won't detect lower th- when you first get it. So.
0: Right, but still it's it's when you need to know if you have it so you can stop going places. <gasps> I know that's what PCR it's, tests are for. I, yeah, but you have to be able to get a PCR test, which is a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so none of my symptoms were really COVID. I was just like, I just feel like death, so I'm just gonna take one anyway. Anyway, so I've um,
1: been plague so far. So As far as you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: As you know. i have one but friend i'm like
1: a bitch when it comes to me being <laughs> so i'd be surprised you
0: are also dude so that is I know, automatic and then you just personally are also a bitch just on, on top of that
1: if my dad gets it we're in for trouble because <laughs> he is the biggest wuss when he's sick yeah he gets a minor cold it's like oh yeah. oh my god <laughs> i'm dying <man.
0: laughs> right, about that. it's like married couples like i have the same cold it's the same cold <laughs> i also feel like crap but i am still functioning anyway um Yeah, so just sign, you know, my previous issues, sinus issues, what I got surgery for. But now with the GI issue, if I get a sinus issue on top of it, I can't take my sinus meds to help me at all anymore. So it's just a nightmare. So I mean, I Mm feel like absolute crap. Got nothing done. I had so much to do. And I just, it's just no one has time to be sick, which is also another reason I don't want to have COVID because even people I know who are vaccinated, everything, like, it still makes you sick for like a solid week and you were like pretty sick. Mm -hmm. So you're not doing anything. Like, I don't have that kind of time. Okay. Anyway. So what I did do <laughs> was play um, some games on my tablet. So one, I went back and looked at a game that I haven't played in a long time, but it's very simple. It's called Splash, and you basically help to restore a reef, and it's really pretty, and it has pretty fish, and it tells you about it. And I didn't remember a lot of stuff because I have not played in a long time, but when you go into the, like, Fishipedia or whatever it's called, it'll have the fishies, and it'll tell you a little bit about them. It's really cool, and it's really pretty, and it's kind of relaxing because it's, like, pretty fish swimming around a reef and then there's a little turtle who's like your guide Mm -hmm. who's helping you restore the reef and then it tells you about the various coral and the fishies and it's just really pretty and the most important thing is if you ignore it for over a year (laughs) your fish don't die and nothing happens you don't lose anything they do now do like little challenges so you will miss out on some challenges to get stuff but like not the end of the world whereas i feel like a lot of other games like if you don't play it great you've lost all your progress so i
1: used to play happy aquarium happy pets at least with Happy Pets, my fish didn't die. But I mean, pets, but with the Happy Fish, or was it Happy Aquarium? It's one of those two names. I would always play it consistently for a few days, then I would stop, and my fish would die.
0: That's very annoying. Yeah. So. I
1: also remember this like DS game. I cannot remember. It might have been called Aquarium or something like that. Anyway, you yeah, have a bunch of different size aquariums from this little tiny thing that really you can't put anything in. <laughs> And everything just dies if you put in that tank. Great. All the way to this massive one beyond any realistic size that you can have even like a freaking blue whale in.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Good time. It was a weird game. That sounds like a weird game.
1: It was... Yeah.
0: So I played that one, and then while playing one of my other games that I normally play, which is my Disney Magic Kingdoms game, they had an ad for Farmville 3. And I played Farmville forever ago, but like all those type of games I just get tired of. Like it's just too...
1: I have... My binges with those games. Same. I will play them consistently for like a month, a week, or even a month. Yeah, and then I die off because yeah, life much. gets caught up.
0: You just get too busy and you don't have time to do it. And like you have to put time into it. to, Like and get then anywhere. all your plants die. All your stuff dies. Well, uh, they also have not died. I didn't play it for like two days, so it wasn't oh. that long. But like my plants did not all die. But you stop making progress. They're still really annoying. Anyway, so the ad was for Farmville 3, but it's like a pets version or like and not pets, but animal Farmville version. Animals. Yeah. So also annoyed because a lot of things that advertise like one like an example would be like wudoku that i downloaded because it was like woodoku. fitting yeah it's like sudoku but for, it's not really sudoku for wood but you're you get different blocks of wood and you have to fit them in the puzzle to make it fill in anyway but the way they advertise a lot of these things are not actually what you get in the game so it's very frustrating fix your false advertising which same kind of thing goes with Farmville because the first thing they show for this is horses well, you get horses at level 46 or something like oh, that, folks. Gosh. Anyway, but basically you – it's very, like, animal-focused, so you get different types of, like, birds. So I got, like, chicken, and then basically your chickens will have a baby, and then every once in a while you'll get a new breed, and you'll have a different type of chicken. Or somehow chickens have ducks. Haven't figured that one out in the game. You know, it's fine. But anyway, so you get new breeds, and then I have, like, a couple breeds of piggies now and, like, four breeds of cows and multiple breeds of birdies. And then there's a doggy, and then there's – you get exotic animals. So I have, like, a badger. I have, like, four badgers. And then I have – because I also feel bad (laughs) when you get them, if you get a repeat animal, it's like, keep? You already have one of these. Keep or sell? And I'm like, but I emotionally just found an animal. (laughs) So why would I be like, no? So now I have all these animals I'm never going to use, and I don't train them, but anyway. And they just Mm. take up space, but I'm like, whatever. But also nice thing is once your babies grow up, then the – um. The, like hippie guy takes them for retirement <laughs> hippie guy. yeah well he looks like a hippie to and retirement yeah so he'll take them to like live out the rest of their days on his like lint. so basically you sell the parents once the baby grows up because that gives you more room for more mm. animals otherwise you i had to build you have to immediately build like two cow houses i'm like i don't have the kind of money to have like a gazillion cow houses because you keep sending me <laughs> these animals yeah. anyway so, but you, like, fulfill orders to basically get stuff for new animals. Um, so, it's kind of cool. We'll see. We'll see if I keep doing it. But it's kind of fun to have the animals, but it's just not as, like, interactive with the animals as I thought it was going to be. So, that part's annoying. It's kind of mm. like, oh, I got a new cow. That's cool. Or like, oh, I got, I got a kangaroo today. That's kangaroo.
1: cool. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, and then the houses you um. make for them, you can, like, of course, spend gems and stuff to get fancier versions but it's basically a hollowed out tree stump and i'm like well a kangaroo doesn't live in a foresty hollowed out tree stump nor does a penguin (laughs) but whatever that's what i got going on
1: now that you brought up kangaroo it reminds me i can't remember the name of the brand but there is this dog food and its main ingredient is kangaroo
0: ew gross Mm -hmm.
1: but like i also remember um kangaroos
0: have a healthy population though then
1: yeah they're out of control
0: (laughs) yeah so then i guess then it's but um whatever
1: I also remember um, when I worked at a pet store that Blue Buffalo had this one-line par- food from their wilderness line yeah. that had American alligator in it.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember that.
1: And I was like, why?
0: Because people want different things. It's weird. Maybe for the people down south, because they like that kind of stuff. It's weird. You know, they're brand, you know marketing uh, nationally, so.
1: Do we anyway. have to include the south, though?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> disney world is there the georgia aquarium is there oh yeah there's not there's not a ton going on but uh there you go (laughs) (laughs) anyway so that's what i did i felt like crap and i played games so there we go all right but casey what did you want to talk about today
1: i'm talking about my pet peeves
0: okay of
1: herpetological husbandry
0: herpetological husbandry pet peeves yes i'm trying to think of how to make that into an h it really grinds your gears that's not an H, but grinds your gear. I went to look up where that came from too I don't know but anyway go but anyway, ahead and uh, in case tell you us don't know herpetological
1: refers to amphibians and reptiles okay and i recently as i mentioned previously i joined a group called advancing herpetological husbandry mhm and they, everyone on there is big on providing the best possible care to your reptiles and um it just reminds me of like some of the standards you will commonly see online and in pet stores and that continues to get perpetuated and people still go along with it even though you can present them with like new evidence of proper husbandry and things being far better for mm-hmm. your animal and they're saying it's like oh they don't need that that your animal won't ever use that like if you talk about say like a ball python and you have them in a larger enclosure like what you should be doing is like a four by two by two um because technically I did not learn to know this until about a year ago, um, that they're actually semi-arboreal. And so you should actually give them vertical space. And a lot of times, especially with the breeders, you'll see them just in these massive rack systems where they basically get no lighting. There's going to be no way to get any kind of vertical space in those either. Mm -hmm. And there's tons of studies now that show they benefit from... um, Ultraviolet light, which people already provide to other species of reptiles, but they largely never give it to um, snakes. And another thing is that we all people are very stuck in their ways, because you'll oft almost always when you go to a pet store, you'll be recommended a heat mat for heating your snake's enclosure. Okay, and that is not the best way to do that because heat. Basically, big step is so light is a there's an ultra, there's the why can I, why is the name
0: ultraviolet? Ultraviolet, not ultraviolet, it's a whole
1: electromagnetic spectrum, okay, which includes visible light and stuff like ultraviolet, but it also includes heat, which is infrared, and there's different wavelengths of infrared. And when you look at paint mats, they give off almost exclusively what's called IRC, which is longest wavelength. And that is not really biologically available for your reptiles,
0: meaning they wouldn't encounter it in the wild. Or they yeah, because like it. there's
1: very little um, IRC that comes from the sun. Okay, most of it's going to be IRA or IRB, which is biologically, especially the IRA, is biologically available to your reptiles. Okay, because that's basically kind of like these photons, and that can penetrate down into the deeper parts of their skin. Provides some energy that they can actually use. Okay. But whenever you go to like these big breeders, reptile expos, and pet shops, they will basically exclusively tell you to use the heat mats because they will say they need belly heat, which you can easily get just by using different forms of heat like halogen bulbs or a product called a deep heat projector that will literally just heat up the ground and basically provide some belly heat that way. And also when you think about it logically, it makes no sense that that would be the best way because it's completely contradictory what would happen in the wild because you get heat from above down Mm -hmm. and when an animal would need to get away from it, they would burrow. And snakes can't do that with these heat maps because Mm -hmm. it's providing heat underneath and you would just go towards it. Yeah. So there's that. And then also, I remember talking to this with one of my professors past, but like with reptile expos and all the different morphs, I see them turning into like dog shows.
0: Oh, I'm sure.
1: Because like, first off, there's people that are horrible breeders. There's literally nothing you need to in order to be a breeder. So
0: for any animal, yes, and dogs, <laughs> which well. is ridiculous
1: when you think about it. Yeah, literally anyone can do it. And I've there's people that like, especially like YouTube influencers that show off all their pets. And I would say a vast majority of them are hoarders by my definition, because the they mind? literally just have like racks of tons of snakes and reptiles with the very very bare minimum.
0: Yeah, it's messed up.
1: Yeah, and um, but yeah, there's also,
0: really quick. Sorry, <laughs> I forgot. I also saw a video and they were like, "Oh, cat's first time on the highway," and like thought that on they the were highway? not like, in a car. It's in a car, okay. but like, but like that they're enjoying it and the cat is panting. So, luckily, most of the comments were like, that cat is horribly upset. Like, yeah. panting is not good, and, like, they're laughing mm-hmm. and like, oh, are you having fun? I'm like, no, it's not having fun. Anyway, so if you don't know that about cats, if they're panting, bad news. Cats don't pant for good mm-hmm. reason. They're super stressed out. And also don't post videos of animals like the Solurus when they're mm-hmm. doing their little thingy. Those because they're scared. So don't perpetuate animals being traumatized for videos. Continue yeah. on.
1: But, like, with the morphs, like... They they will bend over backwards in order to justify breeding morphs because several of these morphs, it literally comes from one animal. So morphs
0: being like a hybrid or what is a morph?
1: Morphs are like color variations.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Think
1: about like albinos, but you can get like a bunch of different colors, like oranges and reds sometimes for varies between species. Okay. And they try to get these morphs and they are really expensive. So breeders try to breed them and they will try to find new ones and often what they will do to get that is they have people that locate them in the wild that just very bizarre different kind of color and they bring them in captivity and the problem is a lot of these morphs all the ones you will find are descended from a single animal Oh, okay. so you're talking about massive amounts of inbreeding Inbreeding, yeah? and like they always make the defenses like well inbreeding doesn't impact them like say with dogs or cats or any other animals like there is no way you can justify as it being good for the animal's health by limiting the genetic diversity in a captive population.
0: Right, yeah. but you just said the beakeda mm-hmm. didn't have huge issues. Yeah, but that's not a reptile. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
1: yeah, and one of the ones that is most bizarre to me are these scaleless snakes. There are scaleless morphs. I've seen them in ball pythons. I, like that. I don't think I like that at all. <laughs> yeah, it's the weirdest thing. And you also find them in corn snakes. And it's like the most bizarre thing because one of the things that scales will do is provide protection. And you'll even see these ones will get cuts and scrapes. I imagine they get cuts all the time. And another big thing is dehydration because scales help prevent water loss by covering the skin. So these animals are going to be chronically dehydrated because they don't have anything to prevent them um, from losing water. And they've even done studies by examining different snakes from different regions their scales have different um, water retention, and they've shown that those in tropical environments, they don't have as well because they don't need it because it's a very humid environment, whereas mm-hmm. those in drier environments have great water retention, and if those scales help retain a lot of moisture because they don't get a lot they don't of get it. a lot, yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right, but so. But I've
1: even seen, like, one of the things that drives me nuts is Because, again, with a lot of these influencers and breeders, you literally don't need a degree or any prerequisites to go... Any actual kind of education, yeah. yeah. So, a lot of times, it's just perpetuating old husbandry that we now know is not proper and far better methods for doing things. Mm -hmm. And I've even seen a former zookeeper that worked at... who was a reptile keeper at a a, a creative facility in Canada. Mm -hmm. And she she would call out some of these creators that people know um, aren't good influences for um, reptile husbandry Mm -hmm. and then some people would comment somebody else that they go to for information in their comment sections and they would point out that they also don't do good husbandry or they give a lot of incorrect information Mm -hmm. and then they just hound this person who literally has a degree and has years of experience in this field. So,
0: Well you know. That doesn't matter for a lot of people. So yeah. there you go. All right. Well, um, the good news is hopefully there are better. I feel like that's also just tricky because it's hard to know what are necessary. I mean, obviously, YouTube is yeah. not as reputable as some things, but like also anyone can basically write a book and self-publish. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to know that you're getting actual the best factual information mm-hmm. about how to raise them. And I don't think that zoos are really going to want to tell you how to do stuff at home because they don't really want to, you know, yeah. promote that. Yeah. <laughs> For you having animals, you probably should not have at home because that's mm-hmm. like reptiles are a lot to do. They're a lot to maintain. Fish, reptiles, yeah. a lot of things are a lot to maintain. Dogs, cats, pretty easy.
1: Yeah, if you want a, a good starter pet, is a cat.
0: Yeah, they're great. <laughs> Except for a lot of people don't like them because of scratching, and you can't declaw them. I mean, you can, but don't because it's torture. It's right. And like tiger lily just destroys everything she eats cables yeah. obviously she scratches most of our other cats haven't had as big a problem with scratching as she does mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't even and her nails grow so fast so i can't keep up with them i'd have to cut them every two nails every two nails every two weeks to keep them short enough that she's not going to keep destroying stuff which like, she can still scratch furniture but anyway it's just ugh. I'm like well, put those kitty caps on you mm-hmm. it's like the best thing i could think of but putting them on you would be a nightmare mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway And those look like fake nails as they grow out, you know, like, really long. Which would probably hurt, because then she'd be, like, walking on them. Then I'd have to take them off. What a nightmare. Anyway, I just need her to behave better, okay? Just behave better.
1: That's why I love one of my last cats, because she would just only go to this one square from her old cat tree to scratch.
0: That's where you need to scratch. Scratch where you have trees. You have trees. You have things to scratch. Use those. Nope. Anyway. All right. Well, I... I'm talking about a story today from Live Science, and it is—the headline, I should say, is Secret Population of Polar Bears Found Living in Seemingly Impossible Habitat. So, a secret population of polar bears in Greenland has been discovered in a seemingly impossible habitat, one that for most of the year lacks the floating platforms of sea ice the beasts use to hunt. The unusual group, which scientists previously thought was part of another nearby— um, population has been hiding in plain sight for hundreds of years. The bears live on the steep slopes around fjords, long and narrow coastal inlets where glaciers meet the ocean, and hunt on a patchwork of glacial ice that breaks up in these inlets. The new discovery suggests that some polar bears, at least, may be able to adapt to sea ice disappearing as climate change worsens. The study suggests. Still, that's no silver bullet. That's no silver bullet for the species at large. I think. I don't know if that's really what they meant to say. (laughs) Like, you're trying to kill them? Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, glacier ice may help small numbers of polar bears survive for longer periods under climate warming, but it is not available for the vast majority of polar bears. Lead researcher Kristen Lairdre? Lairdre, maybe. A wildlife scientist at Polar Science Center at the University of Washington told Live Science in an email. That's because this type of glacier ice is only found near a small fraction of other polar bear populations. So anyway, so until recently, they thought there were only 19 um, subpopulation of polar bears, but now they've realized essentially that this, these the ones up here, okay, it'll say it more, <laughs> let's put this one. So research analyzed 36 years worth of tracking data from bears tagged with GPS collars and found that bears from southeast Greenland did not pass above a latitude of 64 degrees north and bears from the northeast did not pass the same line in the other direction. Genetic sampling from the individual bears confirmed that the southwestern sorry excuse me, southeastern bears were distinct from their northeastern neighbors. So essentially they have another population now because they realize these guys are separate and do not intermix. So anyway, essentially some of these bears are making it work. <laughs> that's the the short <laughs> the short, quick version of it.
1: Life finds a way.
0: Yep, life <laughs> finds a way, but that's not gonna be a solution for mm-hmm. all bears because there's not enough of that to go around essentially. So In the new study, the researchers used genetic data to identify two individuals that could be immigrants from the northeastern population. These immigrant bears appear to have adapted very well to hunting on glacial melange, melange, I don't know, M-E-L-A-N-G-E, which suggests that other populations might be able to follow suit as the ice conditions deteriorate in other areas. These researchers identified other similar locations where glacial conditions could support polar bears in northern Greenland and Svalbard. However, moving to these locations may not be possible for majority of bears. So essentially, there's like a glimmer of hope for some bears that they're adapting, but it won't work for the entire, mm-hmm. the entire species. So we still care about the bears. But hey, there's some that they didn't think could do it in this way, yeah. and they're, they're making it happen. Look at them, just bearing along. Okay, well, that brings us to our final picks category for the season, and it was Casey's choice, Again, with another extremely broad topic, because he hates me. Yep. And, uh, Casey, what was the category, and what was your choice?
1: I went with animals with unique adaptations.
0: See why this is a problem, folks? Okay, great. And I changed
1: mine at the last minute. Yeah,
0: he sure did. (laughs) So, what is your, now, your animal with a unique adaptation?
1: I went with the star-nosed mole.
0: Sounds weird, but tell us about them. I will. Okay.
1: Hold on, something. (laughs) Like <laughs> gonna a reacting god. Okay, so these guys scientifically is, is Condylura cristata. This species is native to the northeastern part of the United States as well as parts of Canada. They can actually be found in a wide range of habitats as long as there is moist soil, which includes habitats such as forests, bogs, and fields, usually near bodies of water. They have a lifespan of about two to four years. They can be about 15 to 20 centimeters long and weigh about 35 to 75 grams. They feed on a variety of invertebrates, including earthworms, snails, and crayfish, but have been known to feed on small amphibians. The star-nosed mole is easily identified by its star-shaped nose, which is how the animal gets its common name. This nasal disc is composed of 22 fleshy tentacles called rays. Like other moles, this species is largely fossorial, meaning it spends the majority of its time underground. One adaptation they have is wide, backward-facing paws that allow them to dig burrows easily, and these tunnels can be over 30 meters in length. This also makes them environmental engineers because these massive tunnels act like highways for shrews and other small mammals to travel through. But due to this lifestyle, it has poor eyesight, and this is where these rays on the nose come involved. As they are packed with about 100,000 nerve endings keep to keep... Put that into perspective, um, this nose is only about the size of a human fingertip. And these rays are only found in this species and provided with most the most sensitive touch area in the animal kingdom. For a comparison, an entire human head has only 17,000 nerve endings.
0: And how many did their nose have? 100,000. 17,000.
1: 100,000. Yes.
0: That's a lot. Yes, it's it big is. Difference. That's, man, that would just make... I feel like life would suck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: these nerve endings send signals to the brain at an incredibly fast speed as well. Scientists have observed these rays touching as many as 10 objects in one second as the mole is navigating in its environment. Using these rays, the mole can identify prey that it touches in less than two-tenths of a second and determine if it's edible in nine milliseconds. Wow. It is the fastest feeding mammal they've ever observed.
0: That's crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. However, this is there is another aspect of this species' lifestyle that makes it very unique. The star-nosed mole is actually a semi-aquatic species.
0: Watch the snap?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. They actually possess a unique abil They also possess a unique ability to smell underwater. It accomplishes this by blowing bubbles with its nose at objects under the surface. These bubbles catch odorants from whatever they touch, and the mole sucks the bubbles back up through its nostrils to pick up the scent of the potential prey. This is actually pretty astounding, as this animal shows the first evidence of a mammal being able to use olfactory senses while submerged underwater. Not even marine mammals have been demonstrated to do this. Wow! This allows it to pick up the scent of aquatic invertebrates like crayfish and crabs, as well as small fish and worms. This semi-aquatic lifestyle is very important, especially in winter when the wet soil freezes, which makes it very difficult for the animal to burrow. They have been observed swimming beneath the ice, hunting and becomes heavily dependent on the aquatic vertebrates during these months. There's also some regional variability in its site with some areas the bulk of their diet consisting of aquatic invertebrates. The star mole is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list. Thankfully, there is no major threats impacting the species survival and its range already is in many protected areas because there is much about this species that is unknown due to its lifestyle being spent mostly underground.
0: All right. That makes sense. Yep. Well, that's pretty crazy. I think we talk about so many crazy things here, but that's pretty crazy.
1: It's a wild card finale.
0: Where did I see them before? Did I see them on a video somewhere? I don't know. I feel like I've yeah. seen them before. I just looked at a picture of them. I'm like, yep, I've seen you somewhere. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, um, I was dying with this category. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. I literally was just like, animals with unique adaptations. Because so many animals have really cool adaptations. I'm like, I can't go through all these animals and figure this out. And this was one of the animals on there that I do think is really cool. And I almost thought we'd talked about them before, but I guess not. Um, we've talked about a lot of their family members, sort yeah. of. So anyway. I chose the mimic octopus, and their scientific name, probably should have looked at this ahead of time, the Mimicus. I like the Mimicus part. All right, so this species is found throughout the shallow waters of the Indo-Pacific. This octopus species has an arm span of about 60 centimeters. Like other octopus species, the mimic octopus has a very short lifespan, living only for nine months in the wild. Oh my gosh. Yep. Also, like other octopus, we mimic prey on small crustaceans like crabs and occasionally small fish. The thing that makes the mimic octopus so unique is that even though it can change shape and color to match its environment like other octopus, it is one of just two species that will mimic the appearance and behavior of other animals, including deadly animals like lionfish and jellyfish. In fact, its scientific name translates to Mimicking Miracle Octopus. That is amazing. And it's, it is a relatively new species to science, as it was first discovered in 1998 and officially described back in 2005. The mimic octopus employs different strategies to pull off its mimicking performance. They have been observed mimicking a soulfish, which is a flat poisonous fish species, by jet-propulsing itself and pulling all its arms together to form a leaf shape and undulate like the fish does. They will also pretend to be a lionfish by moving up into the water column and trail behind its arms to resemble its poisonous fins. When it wants to pretend to be a venomous sea snake, the sea crate, I believe, (laughs) is what it looks like, it will pull most of its body into a hole with just two arms out displayed black and swaying the arms opposite of each other to mimic the snake's movement. It's pretty convincing, I feel like, when I've seen that. Um, A fascinating aspect of this behavior is that it shows the octopus is so intelligent, it can discern what mimicry will work best to the current threat, because it will usually only mimic a sea snake when it is harassed by a damselfish, which sea snakes prey on. Interesting. This further highlights how highly developed this octopus brain is because not only does it have to be able to identify the snake as something as dangerous and its behavior to copy it, but it also must know whats what it is dangerous towards, which is very sophisticated for an animal related to a slug. <laughs> Keep in mind, it also learns to recognize the dangerous animals and how to mimic them and which predators to use, different forms of mimicry with only a nine month lifespan that is pretty impressive yep. thus far scientists have observed this species mimicking at least 15 different species there is also some evidence that the number of species an octopus can mimic may depend on the individual and what animals it gets exposed to that would make sense It's likely this mimicking behavior evolved as a defense for its hunting behavior because it hunts in the open ocean or in the open (laughs) on sand flats in broad daylight which is very unusual for an octopus and most as most are nocturnal and hunt around rocky reef-like habitat this environment provides it with very little areas to hide away so mimicry provides it with its best possible defense until it returns to its den to hide away at night they're pretty cool. Um, you probably just have to look up a video of them actually mimicking things, because obviously we won't be able to do that. <laughs> so um, I do not even think about how I'm going to put up a picture of these. Like, what do they look like normally, and what do they look like when they're like a sea crate or sea-crate. like whatever? <laughs> like, I'm a sea crate. Ah! <laughs> so anyway, mm-hmm. they are really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I really like them. Yep. And that is going to bring us to our final animal of the week for season two. And our animal of the week this week is
1: the marbled crayfish.
0: That's cray. <laughs> Seems funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. The marbled crayfish. Tell us about them.
1: Yes. So these come from the order Decapoda. Okay. And they are in the family Camberidae. And their scientific name is Procambarus virginalis. All right. They have a lifespan of about two to three years. And they are about 10 to 13 centimeters in length. Crayfish are opportunistic omnivores and will feed on a wide range of food items including both live and dead vegetation, insect larvae, small fish, and dead animals. This species has become an invasive species including much of Europe as well as in Japan and Madagascar. One unique aspect of this species is that it has no natural populations in the wild. What the snap! And this is because all evidence shows that this species likely originated in the pet trade.
0: Okay. (laughs) This is weird. So you hate dogs. It gets weirder. You hate dogs because they're not real things. (laughs) But this, which originated in the pet trade, is a real thing? Yes.
1: It gets weirder. Okay. (laughs) In the wild, they have been found in a variety of freshwater habitats, including both slow-moving bodies of water like lakes and wetlands, as well as fast-moving water systems like rivers and streams. When there is a drought, this species is known to burrow into the ground to avoid drying out. The marble crayfish is a new species both in its discovery and in evolutionary terms. It was first discovered back in Germany back in 1995, the year of my creation. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This species' closest relative is the sloth uh, crayfish, and it is suspected that this is where its evolutionary origins lies. The sloth crayfish is a species native to georgia and florida and it is suspected that there were two sloth crayfish imported from florida to germany that then made it to give rise to this species one characteristic about this species that makes it unique is that they are a species of decapod which are crustaceans with 10 appendages such as crabs and lobsters and of course crayfish and among this group They are the only ones that reproduce exclusively by parthenogenesis.
0: Parthenogenesis is when they put an infertile egg out there. Yes? Yes. Yay! And it
1: develops into offspring. Great. In this form of reproduction, the female does not need a mate, and her offspring are just clones of herself. Great. Okay. This fact makes them an exclusively female species, and to date, not a single male has been identified. Despite their asexual form of reproduction, um, um, their re- form of reproduction, aside from <laughs> requiring a mate, is pretty similar to other species of crayfish. Like other species, it appears that it's the day length, also known as the photoperiod, uh, that is the callus that triggers reproduction, and the larger the female, the larger the clutch size will be and a single female can produce from 200 up to 700 eggs.
0: Oh, my God!
1: Mm-hmm. This species of crayfish also displays some parental care and will carry the eggs on her abdomen for about two to three weeks until they hatch. The offspring will even s- will stay attached to the female abdomen until their second molt, but will remain close to their mother for a few more weeks until going off on their own. Despite all individuals being genetically identical, They actually have a wide range of color variation, which can be attributed to their habitat and diet. Those in the wild will typically feed on algae, plants, and amphibian larvae, and are typically an olive brown color. Those in captivity have a wider range of color that differs based on what kind of diet they are fed, and can be blue, red, or even green. Hmm, Some scientists study this species' genome in order to investigate its unique asexual nature in hopes it might be a reflection of how normal human cells become cancerous. Frank Lyco and his team of scientists sequenced about a dozen crayfish, marking the first time a decapod had its genome sequenced. And they discovered that this species has 3.5 billion DNA bases, meaning this species of crustacean has a genome larger than that of humans, wow. which is about 3 billion base pairs. Okay. But they had around the same number of genes at around 21,000. These scientists confirmed another unique characteristic about this species in that the marble crayfish is a triploid, meaning it has three sets of chromosomes, a trait that is very uncommon amongst animals. Oh, okay. The species has three sets of 92 chromosomes, and the researchers confirmed that each set of chromosomes is a version of those found in a sloth crayfish. Two of these three sets were nearly identical, with the third set being different. The scientists concluded that the marble crayfish likely originated from two sloth crayfish from two different regions that eventually mated. One of these two crayfish had an abnormal egg or sperm, which had two sets of chromosomes instead of the usual one. And when it f- fertilization occurred, uh, when these crayfish mated, it resulted in a triploid offering, which eventually gave rise to the marbled crayfish. It is also possible the extra set of chromosomes may give it enough genetic variation to allow it to survive in a larger variety of different habitats, which has been demonstrated in an as- also been demonstrated in an asexual nematode plant parasite that is also triploid. All these
0: things, okay.
1: The species' unique parthenogenic form of reproduction makes it particularly difficult to deal with as an invasive species. Since it does not need a mate and and is capable of having large clutches, a single individual has the capacity to establish a new large population all on its own. (laughs) The fact that it has one set of chromosomes that is significantly different from the other uh, two may also contribute to its threat as an invasive species. This allows it to have genetic diversity in its genome despite being completely asexual, which will protect it from acquiring deleterious mutations that may uh, result in um, which allow it to adapt to several different kinds of environments which would not be possible if it only had the normal pair of two chromosomes okay species was first recorded in Madagascar back in 2005 and just in a decade the species distributed distribution increased over a hundred fold oh. The species appears to be also affecting the fishing industry because they will prey on small fish. In other regions of the world, they pose a threat to native species of crayfish because they compete for similar resources and have much greater reproduction potential because they don't need to mate. Right. Due to these facts, the marbled crayfish is banned in the EU as well as Japan and multiple states in the U.S. Marbled crayfish may be used for some good in the world because of its highly prolific nature, Some have been working to use it as a sustainable food source in captive aquaculture. Okay. There is a high demand for animal protein across the world, and it is clear that farming of pigs and cattle, um, that these are not sustainable, especially with the increase for animal protein in developing countries. Mm -hmm. These crayfish may offer an eco-friendly alternative in closed aquaculture systems. The species reproduce easily and even under acidic and polluted water they grow similar to the size of commercially farmed crayfish. And studies have also demonstrated they are efficient at converting feed into protein. And they have also been shown that they can be easily incorporated into European diets and they are already being widely consumed in Madagascar.
0: Oh, huh. yeah. there you go. Just weird. Yes. All around weird. It's very strange. Okay. <laughs> This is very strange. And it's all very strange. Um. So, Casey.
1: Yes, Allie?
0: Why don't... You were talking about the fact that they're competing for other resources mm-hmm. with the other crayfish, right? And it's not very nice. Yeah. Why don't crayfish share?
1: Because they're crabby?
0: I like it, but they're shellfish. Oh!
1: How <laughs> did I not get that one?
0: <laughs> uh, there we go. Love it. I like that one. All right. So... It is, of course, the final episode of season two, and I have put together a season two wrap-up quiz for you. Okay. So we're gonna see if you were paying attention. Uh, Um, How much time do I get? I'm gonna say ten. I'll give you fifteen minutes. I don't think you'll need it, but I'll give you fifteen minutes. There are twelve questions, so okay. I'll give you some time. There are sixteen total possible points. Okay. That's including bonus questions. Okay. So there are bonus, yeah. So there there are twelve actual questions, and then there's some bonus. So if you get 12 through 16, we'll start with, let's start with the, no, we'll start that. It's fine. <laughs> Make up your mind, Allie. Mm. Um, 12 to 16, you're a scholar, Casey. All right. Okay. 9 to 11, look at you knowing things and stuff. 7 to 8, <laughs> not your best. Uh, 5 to 6, were you even listening? <laughs> and 4 or less, return your degree. Never. Uh, all right. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Here we go. You got your timer started? Yep. Go. Okay, did we talk about more mammals this season as Animals of the Week than last or less?
1: I'm going to say less.
0: Correct. Bonus animal, or bonus, <laughs> bonus question. How many mammals did we talk about?
1: That's, oh my gosh. I'm going to say 12.
0: Oh, you were close, but no. Dang it. All right. mm-hmm. Alrighty, So, uh next one. Did we cover more birds or reptiles as animals of the week this season?
1: I think reptiles.
0: Trick question. It was the same amount. Really? That's your automatic yes. <sighs> <laughs> All right. Uh did we cover more birds or invertebrates as animals of the week this season?
1: Was a say... Oh. I'm going to say invertebrates.
0: Correct. All right. Name three of the five fish we covered as animals of the week
1: Greenland shark, Bonnethead shark, large juice sawfish.
0: You got it. Good job. Look at you doing well. <laughs> all right. The Atlantic puffin and blue footed booby mm-hmm. are the two seabirds we covered this season. What are the names of the other five birds we covered as animals of the week?
1: We're uh, pleasant quetzal. Mm hmm. Greater prairie grouse, no, sage grouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, how many was
0: there? There are five total. Other ones besides the two I listed.
1: Hooded pituitui.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh
1: my gosh, two more.
0: Mm-hmm. You literally asked me questions about both of these. I did. And and leopardy. Just recently. Mm-hmm. The last leopardy you did, you asked about oh both of these. Oh my
1: gosh, and I can't remember. Oh, Watson.
0: Mm-hmm. One more.
1: Common kingfisher.
0: Yay! Good job. Oh my goodness. Look at you knowing stuff. Okay. (laughs) All right. Between our animals of the week and our picks, we talked about so many sharks. How many did we talk about?
1: Hmm. Animals of the week and picks?
0: Yes. It was both combined.
1: Why I say 10?
0: Incorrect. Um, I'll let you go for the bonus anyway though. Alright. Name six of them.
1: Greenland shark, mm-hmm. Bonnethead Shark. Mm-hmm. Hmm Bull Shark. Tiger Shark. Blue Shark. One more. Oh my gosh. Oh my Oh, poor beagle.
0: Yay, you did it. Also, I have to amend that and say that we actually talked about seven because you changed your animal ah. last minute. But you still got it wrong, so it doesn't matter. But you did get six of them named, so there right. we go. Great. All right. So um, what were the three amphibians we learned about as animals of the week this season?
1: Let's see. Axolotl. Uh-huh. Tita, Hill, Sicilian. And one more. What was that third one? <laughs> Lake Titicaca Frog.
0: Yay! Look hmm. at you. You're doing <laughs> so well. All right, between our animals of the week and our picks we talked about five spiders. Name them.
1: The Guerra Kipling Eye, mm-hmm. Peacock Jumping Spider, yep. Porsche Jumping Spider, mm-hmm. Diving Bell Spider. Mm-hmm. There's one more. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why is there an odd number?
0: <sighs> you chose it.
1: <laughs> it was my
0: pick? Yep.
1: Damn it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Why can't I remember? How many questions do I have left?
0: Um, after this one, one, two, three, four.
1: Okay. I said Bagheera, mm-hmm. Portia, mm-hmm. Peacock, mm-hmm. Diving Bell. Mm-hmm. What did I pick? <laughs> uh.
0: mm. I mean, good news is you already... Oh! Sydney Funnel web. Yay, you already don't have to give back your degree, so that's the good news. Woo. All right, so, we talked about four lizards in our picks throughout the season. Okay. Three of them have something in common. What is it?
1: They have something in common?
0: Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that they're lizards, obviously. Something more specific.
1: They're all agamids.
0: Oh my god, you got it! Okay. Look at you! <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, All right. And you know I love cats. How many cats are represented in our picks this season?
1: Why can't I remember cats now?
0: (laughs) They're not important to you, apparently. They're just mammals.
1: Well, they are just mammals. (laughs) There were picks for cats? Yes. And I have to name how many there are. going with s- six incorrect yeah high or low
0: mm, i'm not gonna tell you Damn. Um, <laughs> bonus because i'm gonna give you an option to try the bonus uh. bonus name them
1: all of them oh
0: boy
1: <laughs> let's see there's an ocelot mm-hmm. cougar jaguar Hmm. My goodness, I cannot remember. They were picks? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. We didn't cover any kitties or animals of the week this year.
1: Mm. Eurasian lynx was one of them. Yeah my god how many did we do i'll
0: be nice and i'll say there's one more
1: one more rusty spotted
0: cat i don't think we actually talked about them <sighs>
1: <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Okay, we didn't (laughs) get that one. All right, so the Greenland shark has an incredibly long lifespan. Which of our animals of the week has the shortest, at least, of the ones you gave lifespans for? (laughs) Because you didn't put lifespans on all of them.
1: The shortest lifespan Mm -hmm. of our animal of the week. Oh, that's a tubby. Did we we cover an octopus
0: this year? We did do one. But I think... I don't.
1: I don't know. <laughs> oh wait. Diving bell spider.
0: Incorrect. Damn it. All right, I don't have to mark that. Final question. Okay. How many of our animals of the week have been classified as critically endangered by the IUCN Red List? Good Your Lord. options are more than five. This is going to be a thirty-three percent chance. Critically endangered. Right. Yeah, critically endangered. More than five, less than five, or exactly five.
1: Hmm. I'm going to say more than five.
0: Correct. Uh, All right, bonus. Name them.
1: The critically endangered species. Mm -hmm, (laughs) That we talked about. I'm going (laughs) to
0: fail. Oh,
1: my goodness. I have five minutes.
0: You're fine. You have five minutes to do this last question.
1: Yeah. Okay, let me think. I know Axolotl was one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. It was more than five? Yes. Hmm.
0: I will let you know it was six. Oh.
1: Hmm. Oh, Vaquita? hmm Yangtze giant softshell turtle. Three more. Going a lot of silence.
0: <laughs> Actually, I should say that there's seven. I don't know why I didn't oh, put the seven? soft shell in there. <laughs> but either way, it's more than five. Damn it!
1: <laughs> seven. Okay. Mm. Oh, um,
0: oh. Yeah, I just totally missed
1: Large tooth sawfish. Mm-hmm. Three more. What's sad is I honestly cannot remember our European picks. Hmm.
0: Europe always gets forgotten about.
1: Yeah, it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm trying to remember Oceania right now because I feel like it has to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Let me think. And now because of the pressure, I'm forgetting all of them.
0: Mm -hmm. So you've already said the axolotl. Uh, You've already said the Yangtze soft shell. You said the vaquita. And you said the large-toothed sawfish.
1: Okay.
0: The three left.
1: Three left.
0: Are from different regions. They're all from different regions. All different regions. From each other, at least.
1: Which means proper repeat from what the mm-hmm. ones i said. Yep. Uh, oh! The Sola.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Two more. Hmm.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> I know it's not the Greenland shark.
0: Nope. Fascinating thinking. Hmm. <laughs> i'm really surprised you did this well like i thought you would do pretty well <laughs> but i am shocked that you're doing as well as you are
1: represent <laughs> Ugh. why am i drawing a blank on oceana right now
0: i don't know why are you also
1: what's sad is like i remember on <laughs> something for a bonus thing that was related to oceana <laughs> Bah! Uh, I honestly cannot remember
0: anything.
1: Okay, start from the beginning.
0: <laughs> <Very> <laughs> oh wait, start.
1: Lake Titty Cocker Frog? Damn it. <gasps> Why can't I remember?
0: I should remember what their status is. It is <laughs> not critically endangered. <laughs> they were endangered. How many do I have left? Uh, two. Two. I mean, technically, you made a wrong guess, so it's kind of like you have one.
1: But yeah, I want to get one more right. <laughs> 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 oh short tail New Zealand bat. It's not. No. Nope.
0: That's two wrong guesses. So sorry. All right.
1: Oh well, only had I gave I used my time while I had twenty seconds. You left. did.
0: You did. I think ten minutes would have been a little short. So yeah, I guess it could have given you twelve for the main questions. All right, so let's go back through this. First of all, let's see. You got a total of ten, which means look at you knowing things and stuff. Oh,
1: wait, what was it for the t- scholar? Was that a perfect score? A 12. A 12. You
0: could have made up for it. with. Could have made up for it with bonus questions. (sighs) All right. So let's go back through these. Did we talk about more mammals this season as animals of the week than last or less? Less. How many? We talked about 14 this season. We talked about 15 last season.
1: Oh, it was close.
0: Yeah. (sighs) Did we cover more birds or reptiles as animals of the week this season? Quick question. It was the same amount.
1: Damn. Yay. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised. Did we
0: cover more birds or invertebrates as Animals of the Week this season? Invertebrates. Casey was trying to make up for some stuff. Woo! All right. Name three of the five fish we covered as Animals of the Week. Uh, he did name three, but I'm going to name the other ones. So we had the Greenland shark, the large-toothed sawfish, the Jonas eye fish, and the yep. barrel eye, and then the bonnethead shark. The Atlantic puffin and the blue-footed booby are the two seabirds we covered this season. What are the names of the other five birds we covered as Animals of the Week? What you got? We have the Watson, resplendent Quetzel, greater sage grouse common kingfisher and hooded between between our animals of the week and our picks we talked about so many sharks how many did we talk about um it was seven not eight because he changed his last pick the last minute (laughs) um and bonus named six of them that's the greenland shark the bonnethead shark the poor beagle the leopard shark the blue shark the tiger shark and the bull shark what were the three amphibians we learned about as Animals of the Week this season? He got that. titty a Frog, Axolotl, and Tida Hills Caesalian, whatever that one is. Yep. Um, between our Animals of the Week and our picks, we talked about five spiders. That's a lot of spiders, I Woo-woo! feel like. Um, name them. <laughs> Bagheera Kiplingi, Diving Bell Spider, Portia Jumping Spider, Peacock Jumping Spider, and the Sydney Funnel Web Spider. We talked about four lizards in our pick throughout the season. Three of them have something in common. What is it? It is that they are all agamas, which I have now discovered I think is my favorite type of fish. No. <laughs> <And> a lizard. <laughs> of, of lizard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the red headed rock agama, the Malaysian butterfly lizard, and the draco lizard are all agamas. The western fence lizard is the only one we talked about who is not, but they're also super awesome. So. Yep. Um, also, I definitely talked to one the other day in the backyard. Like, it oh, scurried, yeah. and then I was like, oh, I'm not going to eat you. And he didn't move. Like, he let me get oh, yeah. real close. I don't try to touch I him. I see though. them all the time in my backyard. Usually, they just run immediately, yeah. but he let me get pretty close. Anyway, you know I love cats. How many cats were represented in our picks this season? Five. The bonus to that was mountain lion, jaguar, ocelot, Eurasian lynx, and snow leopard.
1: How? One of the
0: most basic. <laughs> All right, so the Greenland shark has an incredibly long lifespan. Which of our animals of the week has the shortest, at least, of the ones you gave lifespans for? That was the Bagiri Kipling eye, uh, which was listed as a few months to a year.
1: I was close, though.
0: You were close. Mm-hmm. I figured it would be a spider. And then I panicked when you we were talking about octopus earlier, because when I was talking uh, about them, because I was like, oh, God, but no, I think it was like three years or something. What? It was a glass octopus. Glass octopus. Mm hmm. All right. And then the final question. How many of our animals of the week have been classified as critically endangered? Endangered more than five, less than five, or five exactly. It was more than five. It was seven total with the axolotl, the large-toothed large sawfish, the Bavarian pine vole was the European you forgot about, uh. the saola, the Yangtze giant soft-celled turtle. I can't believe you forgot this one. You chose it. The Lord House stick insects, and then the vaquita.
1: How did I forget it?
0: <laughs> so and it was Oceana. It was Oceana, yep. I'm like, there's always going to be something there. Um, yeah, and there was one from Europe, of, too.
1: The Europe one makes sense, because...
0: <laughs> you just forgot Europe. Europe is not as exciting. Yeah. Um, I tr- we try. We try, but Europe's just not that exciting. <laughs> if we did combine it and make it Eurasia, it would be more exciting because of all the Asians. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what are you going to do? Anyway, what was exciting the first season? Because we had, yeah. like, Arctic things. <laughs> But you Mm -hmm. run out of those real quick. The diving
1: bell was cool.
0: I guess. Yeah, that's European. Uh, Okay, fine. Sure. uh, Not that the pine bowl wasn't and the other animals weren't. It's just a little bit of a tougher sell, you know? Anyway, sorry, Europe. Just don't have the coolest animals. All right. So, like I said, look at you knowing things and stuff. You were two points away from being a scholar, but... Oh, my goodness. Unfortunately, no... All right. Well, that is it, folks. That is going to be the last episode for season two. We will come back for season three now on the actual schedule that it should have been the entire time, which will come back in August. And then we will take a break, a mid-season break in January. Yep. Yep. January. And then, you know, and then we'll finish out the season. So, take care of yourselves in the time off. Once again, sorry for the delays. I feel like this entire season was just a nightmare of health issues, of technical issues. and just an absolute nightmare of getting things out. So, I'm hoping the next season things are just going to run smoothly. That's probably asking too much. Yep. But, uh, and we're going to have a whole bunch of cool new animals. So, come around and check them out. As always, check out Patreon if you want to consider... Um, joining there because you get to choose, you know, some of our animals of the week as far as the listener's choice goes. We also have a bunch of bonus animals on there. I think we have like 14 bonus animals at this point or something like that. And also we have honorable mentions and that's more, just more animals, more animals, woohoo. And then fun activities sometimes too. And then of course, check out the website, which will have all the information about the episodes and links to the sources we discussed and all that good stuff. Take care of yourself. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you next season on the Animal Addicts Podcast.